The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Special interview. And uh, not probably the best time, it's just about 19 minutes after 8. We get into this interview. So welcome back to our program. A gentleman who's been with us uh, on several occasions. That's a clinical traumatologist and clinical therapist, Hanif Benjamin. Good morning to you. Yeah. Welcome back to our show. Good morning and thank you for having me. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. It's definitely my pleasure to have you back because uh, this morning we're discussing one, one of the topics that we had discussed in great detail some time ago. And that's the issue of children. Uh, children, what's going on with them? Uh, children as a top priority. And uh, this morning we have in our daily newspaper two incidents highlighted. A stabbing incident at Signal Hill over in Tobago. And we mm-hmm. have a stabbing incident that, that took place yesterday at one of those quote-unquote prestige schools, St. Mary's College, where the child actually had to be hospitalized. And it brings back into focus this entire discussion we've been having about school violence and discipline, how are we treating with it, a reflection of society, and all the things we know. But we just seem to be spinning top in mud. Um, it does not appear as if we've been making the kind of progress that we need to be making in treating with the issue of school violence. What's, what's your opinion? Well, I think um, we're not understanding the issue because in order to fix something, we must understand what it is. Right. And I don't think that we are understanding the issue in the main. Um, we're not understanding that our children are extremely angry. We're not understanding that they lack the ability to express how they feel in a healthy and safe way. Uh, we lack the understanding that what they see as ways to solve issues continues to be violent because we live in a violent society. And I'm always perplexed when um, our children behave the way we behave in society, but yet our children are fall before the polls, right? We can't have a society that is so violent and expect a school that is not because the children coming from our society. And so it is important for us to understand the issues, not, not just that a child stabbed a child or there was a fight, but what are the deeper issues in relation to children? What are the deeper issues in relation to what is going on with that child? And I keep making the point that COVID-19 did not help the situation at all because our children were at the mercies of abuse and, and, and neglect and all these manner of ills. And we restarted school without providing any type of psychosocial support to guide our children through the difficulty. Moreover, moreover, our teachers as well were left wanting because they too went through a difficult period during COVID-19. And I don't think that they received the psychological and emotional support that they needed in order to to really navigate the new normal. And the new normal is what is really kicking us crying. It's very different post-pandemic to when it was before pandemic. All these things, all these societal ills that each has been exacerbated after, but are we paying attention to that? So we will continue to see fight. We will continue to see violence if we do not pause and but understand the challenges 
from the young person's perspective. What what can some of those challenges be? Well, I think definitely we need to talk about mental health. We are not putting mental health where it needs to be in our society. We're not talking about in terms of children who are home because school is a safe space. And for many children who went to school to get away from the ills at home, the domestic violence abuse, the sexual abuse, the poverty, sometimes the only food they got was food in school. And so all of these things were happening to our young people and now they are back. We also need to pay attention to the fact that our young people have not been given the skill set to navigate challenging times, especially during COVID-19. And so now what we have, what we have happening is our young people are just reacting. There, there is no pause to understand consequences. When you look at the level and the intensity of these fights, these fights are meant to kill. And it means then that I have not yet consider the consequences for my action. And therefore, it means that from a psychological perspective, I've already gone through, I, I, I made up my mind, wherever is wherever. And so as teachers, school, uh, uh, people out here, the police, we now need to take a different approach. The punitive approach is no longer working because if I'm not afraid of consequences, then what is holding me back from doing what I need to do? And again, does not sound very much like the wider society. Mm. I had the opportunity um, to visit a school some time ago. And while I was there, there was an issue with a young man um, whose school officials say often found himself in trouble. Always in the principal office, always being sent home and parents always coming to the school. And at the time that I was there, the young man and his mother and father were there and a security guard. And they were, the, the school had, had um, su- suggested that he leave the compound. I don't know what transpired after that, if he was suspended or what had happened. But because of, of the number of infringements and, and all of those things racked up against this young man, the school had, uh, had taken the decision that he needed to be off the compound. And they got his parents involved. And you couldn't get away from the conversation because it was right there next to you. Mm-hmm. And I heard the frustration in the father's voice that he didn't know what else to do. Because the, the, the security was saying that if he didn't get off the compound, they would have to call the police. And it was only after that threat was made that the young man very reluctantly left the compound. Uh, the mother was there and you could see the concern as a mother that, listen, my child has gone down a road. I've lost him. He don't care about me because he was saying to the parents, as soon as I get to him, I go and pick up my stuff and I leave him. He, he didn't know, I don't know where he was going to go, who he was going to go by, but he obviously thought that that was an option to him, the only option that he, that he wanted to exercise at that point in time. And to get to that stage where there mm-hmm. seems to be no going back or, 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 or no assistance that you can provide parents or anybody else to, to, to this child. How do you treat a situation like that? Well, first of all, I don't believe that there is no going back. I, I will never, mm-hmm. ever give up on a young person. And I think we give up too easily. 
in most instances. I think that we, we, we move to the punitive arm because it is the easiest. I think it is lazy parenting and lazy leading where we always go to the punitive arm of, of, of parenting or of, of, of a society. And I think that is where most of our problem lies as well. Because if we keep moving towards punitive, then that young person is saying, I can't make a mistake. I, I can't have challenges because I will be beaten. I will be labeled. Um, I will be pushed aside. I will be ostracized. Now, I'm saying this on the backdrop that sometimes removing the child from the school environment is the most appropriate thing to do in the circumstance. However, what you do with that child when the child is removed is also very critical. And as far as I know, we don't have a robust um, system where when a child is removed from the school, we work with that child robustly to get that child back to where they need to be. And, and, and that is in the school system. Mm. We also have to recognize, Sitish, that not every child from a cognitive and educational perspective can function within the general eight four. That is why throughout the world, especially when I work in New York, there were evening school where you could get your same GD, your same exam, like the student who's going to school from eight to two, right? You come to school from three to seven. We have weekend. There are our alternatives. We do not have alternatives in Trinidad Tobago. So everyone, whether you're a fish, a dog, a cat, or a giraffe, has to write the same exam, has to prepare the same way, whether your learning is slower or faster, you all have to culminate in this one place. And so it has become frustrated. Mm. That is why I also alluded about it two years ago that tech vox should not be a form four, form five subject. It should be from form one. And I know people say, well, it has some school that you have metal work and woodwork from form one. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about preparing a young person to go in that path in their career. We also need to expand our curricula to, to, to engage our creative students, mm -hmm. right, who may not particularly want to go down these paths. So I'm saying all of this to say, if our school system remained the way it remained, our children, will, we will continue to lose a significant handful of our children. And unfortunately, because our society is what it is, that handful or some of that handful may play itself out in violence and gang, mm. right? Listen to this. Gang work 24 hours, 365. We close off at four. What happens after four? I make the point that we have monuments at school buildings, monuments, beautiful buildings that become ghost at 3 p.m. Why are we not engaging in robust after-school activities where we can give young people meaningful engagement that can stimulate their mind differently. If we do that, we would recognize, and the research is there to show, that children who participate in after-school activities have, in general, right? So even if we wanted to put the, the strict academia during the day, the afternoon period is where children can now experience the other part of their brain and so the two parts of the brain coming together can culminate in a wonderful creature, which is a child, and the development. But, but we are not thinking like that. And the authorities, they are not thinking like that because they are not specialists. And in some instances, they may not listen to the specialists, right? 
And so they think math and English, social studies and science is what you have to do when you come to school and you do it. You can learn math and English through work, through metal work, through arts and design. We need to also understand, and I read in the um, New York Times many years ago, before COVID, that the world of work is changing and has changed rapidly. And our subjects in school is still pegged to 1980 type of workforce. But we no longer have that workforce now, do we? Mm -hmm. Right? Where a person could make more money than me with four degrees, and that person have not one degree just sitting behind a computer and they could make money. The world is changing. Our system isn't changing. Our young people become frustrated. Our parents, they don't know how to deal with the level of frustration, and therefore everybody throws their hand up in the air. So what then does a child have um, to do at that point? That's um, that, that's a wide, wide-ranging perspective on what's going on and some of the challenges that confronting children and so on. But are those the necessarily the factors in some of the things that we're seeing? Um, it is. It is a holistic. What we are not listen. What we are not paying attention to, as Yuri Bronfred Brenner, who designed the ecological model, speak about the social environment is the only important factor in all of this. And if the social environment is, 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 is as he put it, in, in jeopardy, the entire system crumbles, right? And what becomes the social environment? When we talk about the macro, micro, meso, chrono levels, we're talking about the system that surrounds the child. And if the macro, the micro, which is the family, is in jeopardy, then the child is in jeopardy. If the macro, which is our institution, for example, our school, our church, our mosque, our, our, is in jeopardy, then our child is in jeopardy. If the, 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 the mezzo, which is our government and, and, and these other things, our institution, our police, our hospitals, is in jeopardy, then our child is in jeopardy. And so when I speak, I speak from a place of not just the child. You see, we spend too much time focusing on the individual child as opposed to the system that is supposed to be in place to, to, to bring up this child, and the system isn't working. The system, the parent isn't working. The home isn't working. You have to know, a parent has to now spend six hours in traffic. So it means that you're leaving your child sleeping to get ready for themselves to go to school or somebody has to help. And by the time you get home, seven, eight in the night, it's just time to eat dinner and go to bed. Where's the family time? Everybody's running. Saturday, the family can't spend no time because they're busy doing things that they couldn't do during the week. And so when I speak about the child as the issue, I'm speaking about really the society or the social environment that surrounds the child that needs repair. Mm. Well, I was about to ask, and, and you've taken me directly into, the, well, into where the discussion needs to go. If we put all of these things in place to address the child within the school system, but when they come out of the school system, they confront with all of these challenges because society is broken, are we really fixing our problem? No, we are not. We are not. Listen to this. Every year, 17,000 children approximately write SE. Right? No one can tell me in the last 15 years of SE in any real sense, 17,000 like this SE moves on to a secondary school. Who's tracking 
in real time, these children. When these children go through the school, some fall out of the secondary school system, some make it to the end. When you write that CXC, how many students from cohort 20, what year are we in 2023, five years ago was what? Whatever five years ago was. How many of those students wrote the CXC and got five passes? How many have moved on to tertiary education? How many have moved on to Cape A-levels? How many have moved on to a job? Where are all these children going? When you go to the university, nobody's saying, well, everybody going to do HR management. How many HR management do you have? Mm -hmm. How many accountants are you going to have? So, so nobody's mapping this out. So we have a frustrated generation. Every day I get resumes, email from people who are looking for jobs, who have degrees just sitting at home doing absolutely nothing. We both that we have free education. We both that we have, um, how do you pay for the education name? Um, gate. Okay, um, gate. But nobody's understanding. Yes, you have gate. Yes, you have gate. Yes, you have this. But if you could come out of school and have nothing to do with it, mm. then we have a government that says, yes, we have a new program. We put a thousand programs in place. But having a program and being able to access a program is two different things. If I don't have money to eat and survive with my basic daily, how are I going to program? And even when I finish the program, what guarantees do I have that I'm going to be able to employ? Yeah. And so we are not divesting from primary school to tertiary education and not just tertiary education in a way that is everybody going to become doctor and lawyer. I am talking about creating more institutions where people can get automatic diesel, expanding MIC, expanding these programs, which is powerful programs. Yeah. But we are not doing that because we are not following, we are not statisticians, we are not doing research enough to figure out where the loopholes. So when a young person come out of school, as a young client of mine tell me last week, I don't want to look fit. Well. What do you think he mean when you say yeah, I don't want to look fit? Mm -hmm. He said because I ain't getting nothing. He said everywhere I go, nobody hires. I don't want to look fit. Yeah, I'll, I'll, that means he comes to look at somebody who working to take it from them. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, that very same school that I went to, I, 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 I was there and I had to speak to the young children. Um, sixth form, fifth form, and that kind of thing. It was a career day they were having. And, and in speaking to some of these students before, yes, you need to encourage them and you need to, um, to, to make sure that they're, they're, they're prepared and they're vibrant and, and, and they're looking forward to the work environment. But then there's a sense of reality that I found missing amongst many of them, if not all of them. And, and I often say that the education system gives students a false impression of the real world. And when, they, and when, they, when these students are confronted with the real world and realize that nobody cares about your feelings or, or if you have your qualifications, don't necessarily mean you'll get the job and all of that kind of thing, they become very despondent. They're demoralized because they realize that the, what they were sold in the school system, not that saying that it's bad to encourage children, hey. but what they are sold and what they have to buy is two totally different things. They, 
it, it sometimes demoralizes them to the point where they go into real depression. And I had to say to them that there are no jobs sitting waiting for any of you. None. None. I, I was at a graduation in the UE Sitish, a couple of years ago where the pro-chancellor addressed the group. And, I, and I, was, I was happy, but yet I was sad because he said to them, yes, you're leaving here with a degree, but there are no jobs waiting for you. You now have to figure out what you're going to do with your life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wait, after four years, and you know when you go, you really even know it's a degree and two diagnoses. Right. Right? After four years and two diagnoses, you now telling me, well, yeah, you have a degree, you know, but yeah, what's going on? It may not work for you. So you 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 gave me a false impression. You know how many doctors I have as planned who working like CPAP, three, three months contract here and a two-month contract here, and you're home for six months. And the ca- there's no jobs. Yeah, you know. We graduating doctors. I have lawyers who who, who working as secretaries and legal aides and, and legal assistants because there are no jobs. One of the but things. Yet, yeah. Go ahead. One of the things I said to the children as well is that they should spend some time researching the jobs they think they want at this point in time. Because sometimes mm. you prepare yourself for a job and when you get into it, you realize this is not what you want to do. You thought it was what you want. And there was actually one young lady who said she wanted to be a geriatric nurse. And, mm. and, 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 I, and I asked her a couple questions. Just so, do you know what the job of a geriatric nurse is, really? And she wasn't too sure. I said, yeah, to change people when they mess themselves and all of that kind of thing. That's a geriatric nurse. Mm. And, and apart from that... How much do you think a geriatric nurse makes? And she was clueless. And when I told her, clueless, clueless. And when I, to, when I told her what geriatric nurses really make, she decided to herself then and there, well, this thing is not as glorious as I wanted it to be. And another one, when I was, was in the dress, I engaged the children and I said, well, what does you all, who thinks they're going to be successful? And everybody puts up their hand. And then I asked the next question, what does it mean to be successful? And nobody could answer because being successful, so, so, it's different it, it, to everybody. It, <laughs> Correct. It's different. I, I, went to give, see this, I went to give a speech in a school. After I gave what I thought was a rousing speech, my pause and always, and I said, question, how much money you have? What kind of car does drive? How much money does make a year? I was like, after I spoke here for an hour and a half, mm. and I realized that the mind of the young person is about how much we could make, how quickly we could make it, with the least amount of work, and of course, how much woman, well, for the boys, <laughs> they don't make what they get. And, 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 but, but that is what society, again, go back to the ecological model and the, 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 the social system is teaching our children in that career day that you went to, were there any mechanics there? No, there weren't, and and that is oh, why I say were there. Any, were there any were there any woodwork um, craftsmen? Were, were there any leather crafters? And were there any wire benders? No, were there any mass creators? Were there any um, designers? Come on now! No, there there were those things were not represented, and I had to say to the children. I say, while you have a dream job in the back of your mind, 
you may have to do several other things to get you there if you can remain that focused on getting mm. this dream job. Many of you are going to end up in jobs right. that you don't think you're going to have. Right Pause right there. Pause right there. You made a very interesting point. They are going to have to do other things to get to that place. But nobody's helping them to understand that to get to that place requires French work. Yeah. Dog work, small money work, volunteerism work. So so we are not being real. So it goes back to the point you are making. We are not being real. I had a young lady who came to me for an interview. She graduated in 2020. And I watched in the resume and I said, but wait, but we in 2023, it was last year. So I asked the young lady, I said, so what? She said, well, there's no job. And I said, so you couldn't find a little home to, to, to volunteer in. You couldn't find, there's no, there, there's no notion of volunteerism. You just have a degree in the center. So there is no, so there's no helping of self to move to the next step because nobody has explained to this young person that she should have gone to do some further training and development to specialize herself or to get additional training to fit in other areas. Nobody's explaining this to the young lady. So I have to say to the young lady, go and find, it was psychology, go and find somewhere where you could volunteer for six months and utilize the skill. Mm -hmm. Because as it is, you have a degree and you have never one day Three years hence, practice your skill. Mm -hmm. But nobody's guiding young people to say, listen, how do you move from X to Y to P to Q to Z? And now we have um, Bitcoin and, and these, these, these money type of jobs that have all these young people going crazy that they could become billionaires in one night. Well, and we are, no, and we are not guiding them into any real sense of what life really is. Yeah, it, it really is. They do have, young people really do have a false, skewed perception of what real life is. And some of these things that they see on social media, which are many times not true reflections of what actually exists, give them this impression that they have a bag of money for me to make outside there doing absolutely nothing. There was one young lady who was in front principal, so naturally you gravitate towards her. So I asked her, I said, well, you know, what's your plan? Her plan is, and her plan was, to come out of school, get a big job, and earn, earn money so that she would be set for life. So mm -hmm. I couldn't oh. help, I really couldn't help. I had to, and I told her, I said, listen, I'm not picking on you, right? But I just wanted to explain to me and everybody else exactly what you mean. So, how much money do you think you need to be set for life? And, and, and how do you quantify, well, I got to earn it every week or every month or every year or whatever to get to this stage of, quote-unquote, set for life? Obviously, she don't have an answer to that question. I, I big as I am, I don't have an answer to that question, right? But in, in trying to answer the one or two questions that I posed to her, she realized that her plan was no plan and that she really needed no. to re re she had to evaluate exactly what she was saying to me but the first question when she answered when i tell her she was confident she was confident that as she come out of here she gonna get a big walk for a whole set of, and i said to them unless all they have somebody to pull strings to hire all you that ain't gonna happen and i said to them that, so, that i said so to the them the reality is mm -hmm. uh, 
So the reality is over 80% of children writing CSEC is going to be home or they are going to go to the supermarkets, the KFCs. I'm not sure where those jobs are, but, but that is where they, they find themselves. And, and out of those set, they, they may have the drive enough to, to, to go and take more classes, do more training, and move up. Okay. But, but, but the crux of the matter is, where do they end up with this false sense of a bag of money? But and for some of the young people, one sec, when they realize that the bag of money, not bag of money, and the way the bag of money should be bag of money, in, they turn to the other side. Yeah. But my, my, my next question was now, to the parents listening to us, the young people listening to us, the people who interact with, how, how do we begin to fix this? If fix is the right term, how, how do we begin to guide young people back to where we were? Because I remember in, in my days in, in high school, I wanted to learn trade. I went to Queen's Royal College. Unfortunately, they didn't have trade there, but I wanted to do woodworking and metal fabrication. And my mother would have nothing of it. She didn't want to hear about that. You go nothing? To, no, she didn't want because to hear that's about that. That's a dirty word. No, well, it was not dirty word. That's I, a dirty word. I go in big school and I want to learn to do what I, I, I had to be out of my mind. But... I'll tell ask, you. Ask somebody who ask somebody who's doing woodwork about <laughs> a, a, a kitchen. Well, I, I I was about to say that because I have friends, I have friends who engaged in in metal fabrication and woodworking, and the amount the amount of money they making right now, it they're funny, you know, it's ridiculous. One of them, mm -hmm. one of them is so creative, his business doing apartments in Antigua and all of that kind of thing would work in and of course so it's of course it's it, so all of these all of these all of, so listen to how it works right and this is what annoys the hell out of me I can say that on radio right I guess you can do already the hell out of me. I say it twice actually yeah, okay so don't right? do it <laughs> go ahead no we will say that at the time the labor so the government is building all these housing complex we need people to do the woodwork in the complex, the plumbing, the this, the that. Don't we think it is fitting mm. to get our young people into those careers? Because not only in Trantabago, Grenada, I was in Grenada over December for um, a men's conference and on vacation, and I saw some, some beautiful buildings being put up, and they need, they need these labor so so. So, so, so we are selling our children short. Mm -hmm. We are stymieing their progress because we think everybody's going to become a doctor and lawyer. And unless your daddy or your mommy already into medicine and have a seat in their practice for you, like all those other doctors that I know, it's two-month contract here, one-month contract here, six months here. That is why so many of them trying to leave the Trinidad to, to go elsewhere to work. Yeah. Well, because how many are we going to have in the system? Yeah, this is this is unfortunate. We're going to have to leave our interview here this morning. Um, we we've highlighted several things, and it's about it's about getting people to think about the situations that they're in, and how do they find ways out of them if they need to get out of them. And I'll tell you this: this one with the young people and the false impression that we give them that life is easy, it it bothers me a lot. 
because I know that it's not. Mm. And and I know that what you're going to end up with every single year is 17,000 plus children who graduate from various things and then find themselves really frustrated because there are no jobs that they prepared themselves their whole life for. And and it, it, it makes them have to reevaluate who they are, where they are, and where they're going. I want to thank you once again for being with us here this morning and for sharing Anytime, your insight. Just call I'll be here. Definitely. And that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, how we end our interview here this morning with our special guest, that's clinical traumatologist and clinical therapist, Hanif Benjamin. You're tuned into the all-new Freedom 106.5. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability, the all-new talk radio, Freedom 106.5.